Salami Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petri. I have a brand new guest on. I have Predrag Tosic on. He has a story that is unimaginable to anyone who has never experienced family court or any relationship of this kind. Um, he had met his future wife in 2013. However, things moved fast. And as things went along in their relationship, she started showing her true colors of yelling, screaming, pushing him, and her refusal to seek counseling. And however, at the time, she was on anti-anxiety medications and antidepressants. Um, in 2015, she did go to the ER for anxiety attack. And then on May 2017, Father's Day, um, they had had a baby in the meantime, but she aggressively grabbed the baby out of his arms. Now, we were in 2018. He had no overnights granted. He had been driving 300 miles each way to spend time with his daughter during the daytime. So now... What has been going on is that his complaints against the guardian ad litem and the DV evaluator, DSHS, which is also CPS, outright refused to investigate, whereas the DOH faked an investigation and concluded there was nothing to see here, even though the father had evidence. His complaint against the trial judge King County Superior Court Judge Sean O'Donnell was ruled by the Washington CJC. They claim the father hasn't proven anything, even though he's submitted close to 500 pages of evidence and arguments, not counting the trial transcripts. And the case, of course, got dismissed. And this is usually how things go in these higher courts. And I'm very sorry, Predrick. How how are you and where are you at today? Uh, well, hi. I'll add a few more points. But, you know, right now the appeal is under review with the Court of Appeals Division 1, uh, which covers roughly western, northwestern Washington State, including Seattle, including King County. And I've been warned that that process I filed. So the trial took place in September 2021. It was supposed to happen earlier, but because of COVID and other circumstances, there were several continuances or delays. Uh, the trial was a sham. It was a travesty. It was a show trial in the best Stalinist, Maoist kind of manner. Mm -hmm. As somebody who grew up in, in Eastern Europe, I know what kangaroo courts are like and mm -hmm. show trials are like. And family courts in this country are no better than communist courts. This I say as somebody who loves individual freedom and liberty. I'm a Christian libertarian, have been ever since I came to this country almost 30 years ago. I was involved with libertarian club in college. So I don't want to talk about my politics, but I love individual freedom. I want the government the heck out of my life, the <laughs> heck out of me raising my daughter and all that, because I know what governmental tyranny is like. And I'm experiencing governmental theory, state government, to be clear here, because they're in charge of child custody, right? Divorce and child custody. Uh, here in the presumably home of the brave, well, land of the free, not, or not discussing home of the brave, but in land of the free, uh, states such as Washington, you don't have freedom. Mm -hmm. And you don't even have the right to the due process, to be honest, as long as it's a family court. We'll see once things get escalated to the federal court, which I think is my next step, because it's clear 
from what you briefly summarized, and I'll provide more detail. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not just the family court. It's the Department of Health, which is supposed to hold accountable licensed so-called professionals, so-called experts on domestic violence, parental evaluation, guardian ad litems. They're looking the other way. The DSHS, which will clarify the relationship with CPS and also with DCS, with the Division of Child Support, because again, they're all in it for the money. That's all they care about. That they abuse Title 4D, in my case, Title 4E, in some other cases, to line up the pockets. Title 4D, federal legislature, uh, signed, surprise, surprise, into law by Bill Clinton, but after mm-hmm. both Republicans and Democrats supported the travesty, probably without reading it, even back in the 1990s, mid or late 1990s, I believe 1997, was the right. year. Title 4D, state gets a sizable chunk of federal grant money for every dollar of extortion racketeering. Mind you, Title 4D was supposed to, it's a part of the Social Security Act, or bills on the Social Security Act from 1930, it was supposed to be for absent parents. What state of Washington has legitimized and, 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 and enabled is that one parent kidnaps the child away from the other parent, keeps the child away from a fit and loving parent, myself, 30 years of living in the United States, nothing but speeding and parking tickets. I don't even have Johnny Depp's problems with booze, not that it justifies that he was abused. And I'll make parallels uh, between my case and the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, insofar as domestic violence goes, mm-hmm. is concerned. But, I, you know, other than trauma caused to me by the family court and these jokes of agencies in the state of Washington, I've had no, I came to this country in the 1990s from a war torn region got bachelor's in two years, got master's, my first master's in one more year, eventually completed PhD from University of Illinois. I'm not a troubled person or a trouble, troubling individual <laughs> or one of those foreigners who are like freeloaders. On the, you know, I've been a very productive person, first as a college student and graduate student and a professional since 2006, which is when I completed PhD at University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. You know, I've been a productive member of the society. And instead of doing work, in, in you know in artificial intelligence and machine learning and, and and things that I that I did my dissertation on and published lots of research on, I'm studying law and psychology and you know mental disorders and who's going to pay any attention, uh, since family courts clearly aren't or the family court appointed experts to what's been going on to the parental alienation that's only getting worse as the child is growing getting older she's now in kindergarten as of two three months ago, and so forth and it just it's it, it is a horror story. And then through fathers' rights groups, groups such as RIG that, that you're also a part of, and, and other groups, uh, 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 mothers talking about abuses by CPS, fathers talking about abuses by the DC Division of Child Support, and, and, and what's the name? Family courts in general. My horror story, unfortunately, is not unique. And like what you mentioned, it's, it's, it's typical in some regards. And it's, it's a nightmare. It's not in the best interest of children. It's against children. Uh, and it's destroying lives of fit-loving parents so that this racketeering and corruption can go on unabated. They're all protecting each other. Mm-hmm. And no amount of evidence matters. And when you bring that up, including what you mentioned last, the Commission on Judicial Conduct, when you bring it up with the Court of Appeals, behind behind the trial judge was in the best uh, position to judge mm-hmm. and to make a call. Oh, it, that's just your appellant's view of evidence. So I asked the Court of Appeals, I'm asking Court of Appeals, if the trial judge says that 2 plus 2 equals 17, and I say that 2 plus 2 equals 4, are you going to tell me that that's just my view of arithmetic, but you're still siding with the trial judge? 
And I can give some specific examples, uh, but maybe I should, you know, let you ask a question or kind of guide. I sent you five subtopics, maybe uh, go through each of those subtopics one at a time. But this is the background. These so-called courts, family courts are a complete travesty. They need to be abandoned, frankly. I spoke mm -hmm. to Mark Gellman about this. I, I don't think that they're repairable because the whole system of incentives is completely wrong. Exactly. Individuals like my ex-wife mm -hmm. are encouraged to act at their worst and to alienate the child so that she can collect child support so the state of Washington can get the money. In case of Washington, back to what I said to the abuse of Title 4D. And by mm -hmm. the way, a class action lawsuit against the state of Washington is overdue. I'm not saying Washington is unique in this case, but I'm sharing my experience. For each dollar that they extort from a present father, well, parent, but in my case, in nine out of 10 times, when both parents are involved, children are made fatherless for profits, right? Fathers are converted into visitors. Mm -hmm. And then for every dollar of, I'm going to call it what it is, racketeering mm -hmm. and extortion through the so-called child support, and Orwellian misnomer as it is, the state of Washington gets 66 cents out of federal money. Mm -hmm. Now, in a state where 32%, almost one third of all children are growing up in homes without their fathers. Or mothers. Or, well, I believe this particular statistics is, is for fathers, but it is true that there's more. I mean, there are children growing up with one parent instead of both, even though right. both parents are available and willing. I'm not saying there aren't mothers who get railroaded, and I know some of them, and some of them are our common friends. But in places like Washington, with its uber-woke ideology and all that, most of the time children are made fatherless for profits, not every time, obviously. Oh. And with these huge percentages, these are parents, fathers most of the time, who are willing and available and all, the state and the other parent keeps the child or children away so that the state can then extort. This is a violation of the RICO Act from, I believe, 1970. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Division of Child Support is a mafia. They're not helping children. Don't fool yourself. They're a mafia. They operate like mafia, mm -hmm. including intimidation. And I don't know who my case manager is. They're saying you need to file a public disclosure request. Things like that. And they told them repeatedly that I refused to contract with them because it's a matter of contract law, both 4D and 4ER. Whatever mm -hmm. I agreed to in 2018 is because I was represented an attorney I didn't know. It was an unconscionable contract whose terms were not disclosed. I was manipulated. And now I'm saying, now that I read about Title 4D, which is relevant to my case, I refuse to contract. I'm withdrawing any and all agreements from 2018. Judges ruling things subsequently, first off, you can't work for the judiciary and the executive branch of the state government or federal government at the same time. Any judge of, the, of these kangaroo family courts who signs child support order other than in a purely administrative capacity because it was something that was agreed on is violating his oath to office because the division, so-called division of child support and those enforcing it are part of the executive branch of the government. These judges and commissioners literally Part of those 66 cents on a dollar I mentioned to goes towards their retirement funds. This is such a blatant financial conflict of interest mm -hmm. and violation of the separation between the executive and judicial branches. It's mind boggling and it's happening regularly and everybody looks the other way. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, people are incentivized the wrong way. Most of these guardian ad items are either completely useless, do nothing since some meaningless templates. I was asked about my college roommates and nonsense, but mental evaluation of ex-wife was never done. Who got arrested for assaulting in front of the child and while in police custody, this was in June 2019, threatened to kill herself. Uh, so, so that wasn't done, but the lying crook was appointed to investigate really fake an investigation and write a bunch of rubbish, including blatant lies 
about visiting father and daughter, myself and my minor daughter, who was three years old, almost three years old. Oh, yeah. December of 2019, my mother was present, both my mother with a translator and I testified at the trial. The judge chooses who to believe. I had a dozen witnesses. Ex-wife had a DV evaluator and guardian of the who worked with, directly with her attorney. All of the other witnesses were withdrawn, including ex-wife Heather's own mother, who I wanted to subpoena and the judge denied. I want to subpoena ex's attorney. His name is Paul Eagle. Guess what? Mr. Eagle is a full-time commissioner on the same bench and the previously mentioned Judge Sean O'Donnell, Seattle King County Superior Court. Now, he's the so-called pro tem. So if you go to the King County Superior Court's website, you won't find Paul Eagle's name. You will find Sean O'Donnell, all right? Mm. However, if you do what I did, which is called the Family Law Facilitator's Office of King County Superior Court, and you ask, hey, Mr. Paul Eagle, he was representing ex-wife. It was known his website. Eagle Law was saying now he's going to be a commissioner. So it was already known at the time of the trial, September 2021. He was a colleague on the same bench uh, with Judge O'Donnell in November 2021 when rulings against me and in favor of Mr. Eagle and his client were made. They were colleagues of the same bench. Mm. Uh, so Mr. Eagle is both practicing law and serving for the judiciary. That's a no-no in theory, anyhow. Not in King County, Seattle, not in Seattle King County practice. That was filed with the Commission of Judicial Conduct uh, as well. Uh, the case was literally yesterday or day before dismissed insofar, so I'm talking November 21st or so, 2022, against Judge O'Donnell because presumably I didn't prove any, I haven't proven anything, which is hogwash. Uh, and I hold, don't hold my breath. They're protecting each other. The case against Mr. Eagle is going to get dismissed as well, including the blatant conflict of interest where he practices law as a private attorney and is on the same bench of the same family court in King County, Seattle. In fact, as of January 1st, Mr. O'Donnell is Mr. Eagle's immediate supervisor because Judge O'Donnell now is a um, what's called a unified family court. You know, he coordinates you know, the last person who should have anything to do with family courts and right. the other is the coordinator and this other crook, Paul Eagle, who has knowingly submitted fraudulent documents. The list goes on and on and on, encouraged his client to lie and so forth. He's now a commissioner supervised by Mr. O'Donnell. Not even in communism are these things possible. And that's the judiciary. That's the picture of judiciary in the state of Washington when it comes to the family courts. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. They're very dysfunctional. Uh, they don't listen to evidence. They don't care. And, and you, you know, have... and you bring it up with the court of appeals, and they tell you the judge, the trial court judge, the case judge was in the best position to evaluate evidence, and we are siding with them. They're basically rubber stamping everything. So well, far. it's because they don't want to work. They, they don't want to look at look through this evidence. Yeah, but they why having court of appeals? What's the purpose of having the court of appeals? Exactly. From what I've seen so far. That's so it's, it's, a, it's a very dysfunctional and a very corrupt system. But let me maybe uh, just go back, slow down a little, and go through the timeline. So thank you for the summary. So 
that relationship started in 2013. There were warning signs in mid or late 2014, examples of coercively controlling behavior, examples of blackmail. If you don't take me to a cruise, I'm going to divorce you. I'm like, she was probably joking. In hindsight, she probably was not. Oh. We did end up going to a cruise in late 2014, which I did promise. But again, I lost the job. There was a, I, I worked in high tech oh. in Silicon Valley. Uh, and then when we moved, uh, 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 so there was first incidents in San Jose, 2000, late 2014, then Boise, Idaho, where we briefly lived for about a year. And then Heather complained she was on anti-anxiety and antidepressants all along prior to starting dating me. And I didn't make much of it to my mm -hmm. parents, as it turned out. Mind you, at the time we started dating, uh, the mother of my minor daughter, of our minor five-and-a-half-year-old daughter, was only like 25, 26 years of age. And she's already been for some time on both antidepressants and anti-anxiety. That should have been a red flag. And it wasn't. Such a young person looking healthy physically and all that, yet mm -hmm. with all these issues. Most of those issues, not only did they learn about mostly from her father and then from a couple of subpoena documents after we were already married, but in fact, I learned them in 2017 and later after her daughter was already born. This is why when we had mediation in 2018, I had two expert letters that I shared with you. So both counselors wrote letters in 2018 and then again for the trial in 2021, uh, uh, follow-up letters, including distortions in the Guardian of Lightning reports of their statements. So, you know, I raised these things and asked for mental evaluation. That did not happen. I was de facto misrepresented by my attorney who agreed to child support, telling me you're a guy, this is Seattle, you'll have to pay child support, essentially. I mean, that was the argument. You'll never win full custody. Seattle King County doesn't give custody to fathers. Mm. Be happy that you'll be able to see your daughter regularly if you're, should your ex-wife violate the parenting plan, then you take her to the court for contempt. That's a fairy tale, too. The contempt charges only go one way in Seattle King County. Maybe I'll say a few more words about that later. So this was in 2018. I wanted to avoid the legal battle. You know, Judge O'Donnell presented me in his rulings as somebody who is like hellbound on litigating and I'm wasting the states and, and, you know, resources and courts time. I agreed to a parenting plan in 2018. And then in 2019, in the aftermath of the DV incident, I'm seeking for change. Well, ex-wife can file for contempt for returning the child one day later in agreement with grandmother, uh, maternal grandmother of the child because there was a threat of snow and this and that, and there were some words exchanged between us. Mm -hmm. She can file for contempt for that, blatantly lie. It's mm -hmm. one of the and I have evidence of that. Her lawyer blatantly lies. And then the commissioner, also supervised by the same Sean O'Donnell, rules in her favor and tells me to pay like $10,000 in legal fees, which I'm going to say upfront, not happening. Not right. going to happen. Civil disobedience and federal court. This is all fraud. But I... They say they raise these things and bring two expert letters in 2018 without calling anybody an abuser, which she was already mm -hmm. saying, look, she has a history of mental health issues. I'm not making it up. Her records are sealed. They're not available. HIPAA, yada, yada, yada. Here are the two experts with whom I've been communicating before the conflict escalated, the custody conflict, because the divorce itself, I almost agreed to everything. I paid off her car. I didn't agree to alimony beyond paying off her car. I was paying her health insurance while she was not working for over a year. In addition to the child's, of course, I would always pay for the child's health insurance. I was paying for health insurance of somebody who filed for divorce against me. Mm -hmm. I paid off her vehicle. 
she was like her cell phone was being paid by me for like a year and a half after mm-hmm. I you know I it was all abuse strictly speaking but I'm like I don't care I just want to you know minimize conflict move on with my life and be involved in raising my child all I was looking for in 2018 but then I also said and I had two psychologists supporting that somebody who's been on anti-anxiety and antidepressant, somebody who got admitted to ER twice at that time, the time you off for suicidalness and self-inflicted injuries. And then the third time in the 2019 incident, which we'll go into in a minute, she should be evaluated for the child's sakes, not because I'm trying to escalate things between. Again, we went to this mediation and I agreed to almost everything. My mm-hmm. attorney screwed me over insofar as agreeing to child support because you pay off somebody's car. That's a one-time thing. Child support with a, at the time, two-year-old child means the next six, the next 16 years of my life, I'm basically financing somebody's lifestyle, which is what it is. Right. She exactly. doesn't have anything to do with benefiting children. She doesn't have to provide any evidence how she spends the money. She can go to pedicure, manicure, and it's called child support so that the state for each dollar of extortion can get 66 cents from the federal funds. It's, it's literally legalized and legitimized corruption. I agree. So anyway, in 2018, I'm amicable. I mean, there is a divorce. It's not a perfectly amicable situation in any divorce, but, and I'm just saying, look, these experts are saying, based on my detailed descriptions of Heather's meltdowns, based on 2015, December, I take her to ER, August or September of 2016, while I'm overseas. So I don't know if they're going to blame me for that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, The kangaroo family court, Heather's mom takes her to ER over a family pet. Yes, she was emotionally attached to her cat, a family pet, but she didn't get admitted to ER for self-inflicted injuries and or threats of suicide because the family cat, the family pet, unfortunately, had to put, especially not if you're an adult. She was mm-hmm. around 30, 31 at the time. She's 35 now. Um, this was in 2016. And then fast forward to 2019 in the aftermath of the DV incident, of which I shared a video with you, while in police custody, Heather threatened to kill herself and was taken by the police to be checked. She subsequently said, well, I didn't really mean it and so forth. So between late 2015 and mid-2019, three admissions to ER for some combination of suicide, threats of suicide and or self-inflicted injuries. In three and a half years, I live across the state. I don't know what happens in that household. My daughter doesn't talks a lot. She's five and a half now. Mm-hmm. Probably was instructed by her mom not to talk about what's going on over there. I cannot ask much because judges such as Adon are going to say, uh-huh, you're violating the parenting plan by basically uh, asking the child to spike, which is beyond something beyond my personality or anything. But again, I've been framed being, a, uh, being an abuser and domestic violence perpetrator where the video clearly shows and the police report and the criminal court ultimately in Ellensburg, Washington, clearly shows that I was the victim and ex-wife was the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Family courts literally can flip things by 180 degrees. And it's just, it's, it's, and then you take it to the court of appeals and they say, hey, the family court judge is in a better, the best position and we just go along. The court of appeals so far has refused to view the video has refused the records from the criminal court in Ellensburg or the police report signed, sworn. There are transcripts where the police testified all of that is being ignored because it's just my appellant's, uh, you know, interpretation of evidence and they're not getting into it. Judges make discretionary calls and they trust Judge O'Donnell's discretion, including things that are object nonsense, that are obvious self-contradictions insofar as judges calls, insofar as judge ruling the DV evaluator credible, whom I exposed lying on the road, 
including Guardian Ad Litem being ruled as credible, multiple witnesses, my witnesses, who testified at the trial, testified under oath, and were not challenged by Mr. Eagle or by Judge O'Donnell, mm -hmm. because they both knew that my witnesses were telling the truth. Four different witnesses, two expert witnesses, two psychologists, and two lay witnesses, friends from church and such, said, Guardian Ad Litem, <coughs> excuse me, distorted, omitted, put words into their mouth that they never said, fabricated things that they never said in his GAL report. The Guardian of Lightning, his name is William Singer. He's been doing this for decades. I have filed preliminary complaint. I need to file the complete complaint. I need to get retired judges and lawyers. I spoke to one lawyer in Kirkland, Washington, who knew about Singer, and he retired in the meantime. I need to get people like that, who are not going to get, in, you know, people who retired, to talk about this crook and what, what kind of parental evaluation and representing child's best interest in GAL report this mm -hmm. despicable liar and crook does. He falsifies witness statements, falsifies material evidence. That crook should be in jail. Mm -hmm. But according to the Kangaroo Family Court, he's credible. And so is the DV evaluator. And let me just give you one snippet, which we discussed earlier, just to say the level of moral depravity, but also what kind of things the completely broken and corrupt judiciary in the state of Washington looks the other way, especially in Seattle King County. With regards to the DV evaluator, mind you, when ex-wife basically kidnapped the common child, there were no allegations of abuse. She started making up abuse later. It was that she needed her mom, child's grandmother, maternal grandmother. She needs her so-called support network. Again, this is somebody with a history of mental health issues. And I didn't escalate. I didn't call the police or the DA office right away because I'm like, it's postpartum. Let me give her some space. Hopefully things will calm down. Of course, it was all premeditated by ex-wife and her mom. Mm -hmm including coming back to Pullman, Washington, where the child was born completely emptying the baby room without my knowledge or permission. This is my house. Mm -hmm. The mother-in-law comes and empties the baby room. And I didn't call the police even then. I should have. This was mm -hmm. all in spring of 2017. But, uh, you know, fast forward to the domestic violence incident. So the domestic violence incident happened in June 2019 in Ellensburg, Washington. That's where we do the exchanges. Subsequently, most of exchanges have been done with maternal grandmother. There was actually two different domestic violence restraining orders against Heather, ex-wife. Uh, they did not cover the child. I was asking that they cover the child. And then the mother had generous supervised visitation time. I never tried to push the mother outside, out of child's life, the way the mother and her allies were trying to push me out of the child's life. But that aside, again, this is Washington State, and they would not cover the child, but they did give me protection. So I was basically exchanging the child with maternal grandmother and also the video calls were going to the maternal grandmother for over a year. The incident happened in June, 2019. So less than a year into the negotiated and mediated parenting plan that was signed by a King County judge, a different judge uh, in December of 2018, the assault was unprovoked. I was trying to kiss the child goodbye because the mother took the child out of my car before that, handed it to her mother started harassing me with some bogus receipts for childcare. By the way, even commissioner in King County said, child exchanges are not a time to discuss parenting plan or childcare mm -hmm. or child support. You discuss that separately, not when you're exchanging the kid. You check the kid's diaper. Again, the kid was two and a half at the time, 2019. Right. Anyway, so incident completely provoked by ex-wife. It got caught on camera. I shared that video with you. This is a McDonald's right off of I-90, the major interstate. Mm -hmm. uh, in Ellensburg, Washington. So they have drive through I believe, that's open 24-7 or, or close to it. So they have security cameras. They have a big parking lot. And the entire incident got caught on camera. For the first time in my life, I called 
911 on header because again I was hit, bitten, kicked numerous mm-hmm. times before, kind of like a Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing without poop. Excuse me, uh, but mm-hmm. everything else, including biting, including throwing objects at, screaming and yelling. Once the child was born, screaming and yelling in front of the child, June 2017, the episode I briefly described in our email correspondence, and, and, and some other incidents, sleeping in my car because I'm kicked out of Heather's family's house. While we were married, I'm not talking about, you know, after we got divorced uh, or after we after the separation. Anyway, so I became an abusive ex-husband, long story short, only after Heather got caught on camera for assaulting me at the child exchange and got arrested for it. Uh, she, her family found a DV evaluator who was, and again, this is the problem with this whole system. Mm-hmm. One other and her lawyer, Paul Eagle, who has no honest theoretics whatsoever, got to pick and choose the DV evaluator. It was a pretty predetermined thing what's going to happen. Why do I say that Mr. Eagle has no ethics? Because now that I got the transcripts recently for the purposes of appeal, things where I was represented by an attorney that they didn't know about, I learned. So I learned that prior to the mediation in the summer of 2018, Heather and Mr. Eagle said, either Predrag is going to basically agree to our terms for divorce and custody. And again, I didn't, you know, I agreed to most of the divorce terms because I really didn't care. I just, you know, I did care about custody, but I didn't care about the exact details of divorce. There was no house involved. There was no big property. I paid off a vehicle to a college educated woman and these other things. I didn't care. I just wanted it over. But Mr. Eagle said, should your, my attorneys, her name is Catherine Bell, attorney, uh, should your client, Predrag, the father, not agree to essentially our terms, maybe with some small variations, basically we are going to go nuclear. We are going to bring up domestic violence. My attorney alluded to that, but don't play it. I'm like, look, the only domestic violence in that marriage was her against me. My problem is either there are no witnesses, and she's American-born female, I'm a foreign-born male. Or if there were witnesses, witnesses would be people like Heather's mom, who, of course, knows her daughter, daughter is dysfunctional and troubled and at times violent and abusive, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. would cover it up for her and has been in the GAL report and other situations. She never testified at the trial, by the way, as I alluded to earlier. Uh, so this is weird. Heather had no witnesses other than the GAL and the DV evaluator who basically worked in collusion with each other and with her attorney. But she had no personal witnesses. Her mom, her best friend, who, the people who were listed, uh, her new husband, she remarried like a year ago, year and a half ago. Uh, these people who were listed never testified. And, you know, I don't care about her new husband because he doesn't know the history. But they wanted to subpoena her mother because her mother witnessed, like the incident in June 2017, uh, the Father's Day, my visit, <laughs> daytime visit to the then baby, Mira. Uh, I'm not going to mention the child's name, uh, the baby, my daughter in a maternal grandparents' house at the time in Bottle, Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grandma, Heather's mother, witnessed this incident. She witnessed some other incidents. Others, like in 2015, instead of calling 911, I called my then mother-in-law. She actually suggested I take Heather to ER, which I did. But so she either witnessed the mater- child's maternal grandmother, ex-wife's mother, either directly witnessed some of the incidents or else learned about them, not only from Heather, but even from me during marriage, right? Because I'm like, this is the one person Heather would listen to. Uh, so I better call my mother-in-law because I'm, I'm just trying to resolve the situation and to help. I'm not trying to escalate or accuse anybody of being an abuser or anything mm-hmm. like that. So anyway, fast forward. In 2018, they are threatening to go nuclear and bring up, so that, so that she wins custody, false allegations for child, for, not child abuse, for domestic violence and domestic abuse. 
in a relationship, in a marriage where female was the abuser throughout. The incident in 2019 happened to have, uh, happened to have occurred in, in a public space and got caught on a camera. But all these things from 2000, late 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, insofar as me visit, having daytime visits to the child, I documented in detail. They were not challenged. Some of them had witnesses, such as abuses during video calls with the child, where I have my Spokane or Pullman friends be next to me. Now, Washington is a two-way consent state. You can't record without telling the other party. Mm -hmm. But you can have your personal friend in the room next to you, and the person you're talking to on Skype or Hangouts, you don't have to tell them that you're not alone. Hmm. I had one of those friends, friends from the Eastern Orthodox community here in Spokane, Washington, who's an American-born person who became Orthodox as an adult. Uh, but anyway, he and his wife, who is a Filipina, witnessed these situations on several occasions in 2018, 2019, prior to the June 2019 uh, domestic violence incident. Abuses where I'm calling to see my child, I'm yelled at, I'm insulted, called names. Heather then shows me her then boyfriend, now new husband. I'm like, I don't care about watching him. I want to see my daughter. I don't care who you're with as long as my daughter, you know, why are you showing me your boyfriend? And this was, you know, to provoke my reaction. And this is how narcissists and cluster B personality individuals behave. And I have witnesses. Mm -hmm. I'm often testified at the trial. Do you think there is any mention in Judge O'Donnell's rulings of a dozen witnesses saying that I'm a good father? several witnesses who witnessed Heather's abuse against me, then me trying to subpoena Heather's witnesses, such as Heather's mom, who would lie on her daughter's behalf, as usual, mm -hmm. no question. She lied to the police uh, at the Evansburg incident, of which she saw the beginning before she walked into the car. I mean, you saw the video. Mm -hmm. uh, because I'd get to cross-examine her. And the judge disallowed that, as well as me subpoenaing Mr. Eagle himself, I know of a client attorney privilege. I, and I made it clear. I emailed to Mr. Eagle and to the bailiff of the court saying, Mr. Eagle, I respect your client attorney privilege with Heather. I want to cross exam. I want to direct examine you with regards to your relationship with Guardian of Lighten William Singer, your communication with him, with you bringing up domestic violence in 2018, even though you sh knew or should have known that the, the only abuse, including physical violence, was your client against me, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And how is it possible this communication that you had with the DV evaluator, her name is Linda Irish, with the GAL William Singer, how is it possible that William Singer tells my attorney in December of 2019 that he's well aware the DV evaluation was not done properly and in accordance to Washington Administrative Code regulating those things. And then three months later in March 2020, in his GAL report, he writes the exactly opposite completely sides with DV evaluator and gives her space to slander and lie about me, how I threaten her, total lie. I threaten her receptionist, total lie. And I'm an abusive and controlling person. And that's why Heather ran away from me. Again, I became an abusive ex-husband. Only once ex-wife got caught on camera for assaulting me. And then her family started picking out and bribing evaluators or some quid pro quo, whether it was direct bribery or whatever uh, uh, going on. And, and these things get exposed at the trial. But the trial judge makes his discretionary call and nothing happens. That's Let so me just wrong. give you the most extreme example insofar. So two things about the guardian ad litem and a DV evaluator. First off, my research, this my attorney didn't do anything in that regard, getting the SHS archives of the state of Washington, making a request, getting the archives to look at William Singer, the GAL, and Linda Irish, the DV evaluator. And then also look at the list of DV evaluators in the state of Washington. Uh, licensed DV evaluators. And what do I find out? Two things. One, William Singer, his primary line of business is guess what? 
domestic violence assessment and evaluation. Two, there are about 60 in the state of Washington total licensed centers for DV assessment and evaluation, about five in the Bellevue, that's just across the lake from Seattle, Seattle Seaside, in Bellevue, Washington. Among five, Linda Irish and William Singer are two. At the time of these events, 2019, 2020, they were down the street neighbors with their offices down the street from each other in the same niche industry. William Singer claimed that he has never heard of Linda Irish, that they didn't know each other. Who believes that? They testify as expert witnesses in the same court. They're down the street. Not all of us know every neighbor, but if you're in the same niche industry that about 60 or 65 people do total in the state of Washington, the number of licensed DV specialists, so-called specialists. And these two people are geographically the closest possible, testifying in the same court or court, but they've never heard of each other. And William Singer never acknowledged his involvement in domestic violence assessment, treatment, and evaluation industry at the time of taking the job of DV evaluator. This was raised as a conflict of interest in the trial. It was ignored. And I, I only expe expect from the Court of Appeals to say trial judges call. So again, the trial judge can say that two plus two equals 17. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's his discretion. I mean, it's, it's complete nonsense. It's a complete travesty. That's point number one. And point number two, and I'll let you maybe ask some questions. We need to be cognizant of time. So Heather's lawyer and family, of course, picked somebody who's going to portray me as an abuser and Heather as a victim. No evidence needed. This Linda Irish, another crook who should be jailed, mm -hmm. uh, and yet the DOH and DSHS look the other way and pretend nothing to see here, does her initial assessment in July of 2019. Her both actually so-called family court in Seattle and criminal court in Ellensburg, where the incident happened, I was the collateral contact. She was obligated that any DV evaluator was obligated to contact me. She never did. Mm -mm. Excuse me. She listed three dates. She said she called me, but I didn't answer. Mm. Now, you notice they still have Illinois area code because I went to graduate school at University of Illinois. In 20 years of moving across the state, living in Idaho, Texas, California, and Washington now, I haven't changed my phone number. I didn't miss any calls from this evaluator. Then he gave some story how she basically called the wrong phone number. Does anybody in their right mind believe that? <laughs> then she wouldn't provide which number she called when I emailed her about it because it sounded fishy. She wrote a report in July of 2019, pay attention to this detail, portraying me as an abusive ex-husband. I used the child for control, for control of ex-wife, never mind that ex-wife kidnapped the child at one month old, like five or six weeks old, but I used the child for control. I used transportation for control. At the time of separate, the time of Mira's birth and then separation, we had two adults and three vehicles. And of course, Heather took one of the joint. I brought one car into the marriage, two joint. She took one and took off with the child 300 miles moving to her grandparents' home. But I controlled her via transportation. And, you know, nonsense like that, that they're, oh, oh, I controlled her free time. What the hell does that? I mean, complete, I'm sorry, bullshit. And everybody in their right mind, you need room temperature IQ and ability to process written English to know this is complete nonsense. Mm -hmm. But I was an abusive and controlling ex-husband. In the GAL report, where, again, friend, friends help friends, Singer gave all this space to Linda Irish to lie about me without ever giving me or my attorney at the time a chance to address or rebut any of these false accusations. I literally learned about them for the first time when the GL report was published in March 2020. She accuses me of all kinds of nonsense that I threatened her. She lived in fear. She had to be escorted to her car. She works in Bellevue and lives somewhere in greater Seattle. 
I live in Spokane. I have zero history of violence against anybody. I never stalked anybody. It's a complete nonsense. It's a complete fabrication. I contacted Linda Irish asking her to do the evaluation property or to acknowledge that it was not done properly. I contacted her supervisor once. I never called her after the one phone call we had. I used email. I submitted these emails to the court. All of it was ignored. Uh, the email saying the guardian ad litem knew the DV assessment wasn't done properly, 180 degree opposite from what the GAL reports was. That I submitted to the court. That was either dismissed as hearsay or ignored or otherwise ignored. Uh, I tried to subpoena my former attorney as well. For the same reason, I tried to subpoena Mr. Eagle, the communication between the two attorneys with the guardian ad litem and the DV evaluator. The judge denied that as well. Uh, so the whole thing was a charade, but back to the story from the summer of 2019, July 2019, I'm an abusive ex-husband. Then in the GL report and subsequently under oath at the trial, mm -hmm. Linda Irish, who is still licensed because DSHS and DOH are protecting their own and refusing a proper investigation. Linda Irish, a licensed DV expert, says on the road that the reasons she determined I was the abuser and Heather was a victim. And Heather, who got caught on camera and arrested, was only referred to the DV treatment for victims, not perpetrators. She wasn't sent as a victim to the DV for DV evaluation, but as a perpetrator. But this is what kangaroo family courts do. Mm -hmm. Literally flip things by 180 degrees, and everybody knows it, starting mm -hmm. with the former prosecutor, Mr. O'Donnell. But, I mean, it's, it's beyond corrupt. It's beyond belief. Anyway, so how did Mr. Irish, Mrs. Irish, I beg your pardon, or Ms. Irish, determine, and this is what the appellate court is now citing, it's complete bullshit and everybody knows it, that Heather was the victim and I was the abuser. Two grounds. One, Heather said so. Somebody who changed narrative about the Ellensburg incident like four times. From, oh, I hit him by accident. Oh, he was preventing us from leaving. The only time I was preventing him from leaving was after the incident when I took the child with me. But that was after being hit and calling 911, not before. I mean, it's obvious. You just need to watch the damn video. Mm -hmm. this, this is not disputable. Anyway, and then she had two different, like, more narrative, she said something different at the trial and so forth. All of that is ignored. So a pathological liar, and ex-wife is a pathological liar, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Her self-reporting is one grounds for Linda Irish determining that I was abusive as an ex-husband. And the second grounds is, oh, you threatened me, you yelled at my receptionist and so forth. First of all, these things are blatant lies. Mm -hmm. Second, my first contact with her receptionist one of her supervisors, and then eventually herself, was in September 2019. My first contact, I had no idea who Linda Irish was prior to my attorney saying, hey, this person allegedly did DV assessment of Heather. She, she was supposed to contact her. I'm like, I haven't missed any calls or emails. But okay, I'll contact her, whatever. I didn't, I didn't realize at the time that I was being played. Mm. My first contact with anybody at her office, learning of her name, was September 2019. But in July 2019, I was already determined an abuser. So in my subsequent filings, and I've been warned, oh, courts don't like sarcasm. Sarcasm is the only thing I have left. <sighs> I'm referring to the fraudster and criminal named Linda Irish as Linda Time Traveler Irish. Mm -hmm. This lady can time travel. Apparently she can. And apparently the family court judge believes that. I spoke, and of course, they cannot appear in their names to some police officers, people from the criminal justice uh, background here in Washington State. And they're like, okay, this is obvious lie. I'm like, the judge still ruled it as credible. The judge ruled Linda Irish, whom I was allowed to a limited extent to cross-examine at the trial. He ruled her as credible. Mm -hmm. She said he threatened the receptionist. The judge ruled that credible. Do you think the receptionist testified? 
No. Do you think that I even have the receptionist's name? Mm -hmm. Or that I was allowed, I wasn't allowed to cross-examine William Singer, the GAL. I was allowed limited cross-examination of Heather herself, ex-wife, limited cross-examination of Linda Irish, who being a, I'm sorry, room temperature IQ fraudster and liar, got mm -hmm. exposed for her time travel. I brought this to the judge's attention. He ruled her credible, but he ruled me not credible in saying that the incident happened while I was trying to kiss the child goodbye. If you look at grandmother's body language in the car, if I said anything like I'm taking the child out, she would have reacted. She seemed completely calm. And I'm like, I'm just trying to kiss her by because I didn't get to kiss her by earlier because Heather took her out of my car and gave it to you, the grandma. And that's mm -hmm. all. I'm not trying to, you know, it's it's like normally we'd go inside McDonald's because the child wasn't potty trained yet. This time they're like, okay, we are in a hurry. So the mother and the grandmother were in a hurry for me to kiss the child goodbye for 30 seconds, typically. Uh, or so, but they were not in a hurry for Heather to harass me with a fake child care receipt. They were not in a hurry for that. Uh, the police officer who, who examined me, interrogated me at the time of the incident was basically said, was your kissing the child goodbye? Did it take longer, longer or shorter than one? I'm like, definitely shorter. And if you look at the video, she jumped out of the car right away. Heather did within two or three seconds. And then the verbal thing started and then she started, well, she pushed me, which I didn't even report to the police. Mm -hmm. It was something she's done so many times before. But then once she clearly intentionally hit me with the card or pressed the car door against me repeatedly, this is when I said, okay, I'm taking it out of the car now because you guys want to leave. I'm calling 911. I want you to wait for the police to arrive. And again, this was the first time and both Heather and her mom know, and so does her attorney, Paul Eagle, She's, he's no longer her attorney, but he was her attorney through the trial and at least like three or four months of being on the bench representing Heather. He was the colleague of Sean O'Donnell at the time of the rulings in November of 2021 because he became full-time commissioner in October and the trial took place in late September. I'm referring to last fall, 2021. All these people know who was the abuser that day and in the past. The difference being that that day, June 9, 2019, got caught on camera. And they're all lying about it. Ex, her attorney, the guardian, and, you know, they're mm -hmm. ethical obligations. Attorneys are supposed to represent their clients, but they're not supposed to knowingly lie. Mm -hmm. They're not supposed to knowingly submit fraudulent documents. Mr. Eagle has done all of that. So has this crook, William Singer. Mr. Eagle should be disbarred. William Singer and Linda Irish belong behind the bars, but everybody looks the other way. Even agencies whose only power is to revoke or suspend licenses, such as the DOH, Oh. Fake investigation, write nonsense in their reports, and they see nothing to see here. So they essentially targeted you because you must make more money than your ex. I've been unemployed now, but in the past, that has been the case. When Harriet, had, you know, my mm -hmm. Microsoft job was low six figures, my uh, data scientist job for which we moved as a couple without a child at the time in, I'm going to say January, February, 2014, we moved to San Jose, California. It was like in the 150K range. Uh, Heather never worked full-time in her life. She works more than part-time, less than full-time now. Um, and again, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, she was raised to be a gold digger. Mm -hmm. Her mother is a gold digger. I didn't realize that. What am I to think about maternal grandmother, who's the only sane adult in that household, not very moral one, but a sane one, who is probably the only guarantor of relative safety of my daughter while, while the parental alienation is getting worse and worse mm. as the kid is growing older. But mm -hmm. maternal grand Heather's mother divorced Heather's father, 
when they were both in their 40s, so relatively young. Heather was a teenager. She has also an older sister. When Heather's father got sick with multiple sclerosis and then his, his health was deteriorating, when I started dating Heather, I was very sympathetic towards her father. We would like go. He was in a wheelchair to like a Mariners baseball game together and this and that. Like this was in you know 2013. But only later did I learn her mother divorced her sick, the father of her two daughters because he was too sick. Um, and then she's been dating money, divorced, childless men ever since, including as far as I know right now. She's in her 60s now. That's her personal life. But now, it's when, indicative of how she did, raised her daughter, and that's how they're going to raise my daughter unless they do something. When did you learn this, that the mother was, your, your mother-in-law was like this? Certainly after the marriage, gradually, you know, 2016, uh -huh. 2017, most of the things related to Heather's history of suicidalness, I learned from her father after Mira was born. Uh, mm -hmm. in, so in 2017, maybe early 2018, I haven't had contacts with him since. And then he sadly passed away about a year and a half ago. Because Again, he has had multiple sclerosis-like condition where you mm -hmm. only deteriorate over time uh, for 20 odd years. But you uh, learned all of this like way too late. Well, way too late because we rushed into the marriage. I mean, we were dating and all, but it, it was legit, you know, but it, it, it was rushed clearly in hindsight. So that's one of the lessons learned. Mm -hmm. Another lesson learned is when you start seeing these warning signs, these red flags, do not ignore them. Uh, earliest red flags in 2014 either didn't involve me directly or if they did, I wasn't targeted in terms of physical violence, for example, even though there was yelling and screaming and such. She was, I'm not gonna use the word detained, I don't know what word to use. She went to a doctor in San Jose, California. I was in Sunnyvale at the time. Uh, I was between jobs because the data scientist startup was acquired and we were all let go, kind of what's happening at Meta or Facebook or, you know, uh, or, or Twitter or some other companies uh, in more recent months. Uh, and so, you know, I was interviewing, I ended up landing another job and and and, and so forth within a few months. But I, I wasn't even present. Heather visited a doctor and it wasn't a regular doctor, it was somebody else. Long story short, she called me in tears and crying. And then I spoke to a security personnel at the North San Jose, California clinic, a regular clinic that's open, you know, eight till five or what have you. I arrived a little after five. By that time, there was only security personnel and Heather there. She never talked much about it, but she was kept there until I arrived. So I was the savior. And I'm, I'm using this. I don't know. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to be fantastic or whatever. She calmed down. She never talked about it. The security guard talked about it a little, but not too much. There's probably a liability on their end. Mm -hmm. The doctors were gone. The nurses were gone. She had some sort of anxiety attack or meltdown. I was not involved. So mm -hmm. this whole idea that I'm somehow triggering her or it's my fault because I'm controlling and mm. I use the child and the transportation and I control all this nonsense. Oh my God, I'm so that sorry. The collusion between Linda Irish, William Singer and Paul Eagle, I'm going to call it collusion between these two, three fraudsters and criminals produced based on zero evidence. This incident didn't involve me and I was perceived by Heather at the time as a savior. She never talked much about it and shortly thereafter within two or three months, we moved out of San Jose. But she had some sort of a meltdown no police was called, but they kept her there after the doctor and the nurses and others were gone. And it was only her and security guard. She's saying she never saw a security guard. I'm like, the only person I saw who let me in, the building was closed. This is unusual. I'm not trying to blow it out, but it's not normal. Mm -hmm. This was September, October of 2014, way before Mira was born. 
I was, but then, and then of course the ring is her. I was, she wants to run away from me. And my mom was like, do not prevent her. And my friends like, let her, she'll calm down. She'll come back because she would do that. And then she would come back. And then the next day she would act as if nothing happened. In 2015, she would threaten to leave me one day, threaten to kill herself. And then two days later, literally she would say, let's try for a baby. I want to have a baby. I'm mm. like, I want a family too. I want children. Her, let's, let's go to counseling together. She would always find some excuses not to. And then her solo counselor, after he kidnapped the baby and all that, the Dr. Vranin I mentioned, she had no idea about any instances of self-inflicted harm, violence against me, or threats of suicide, other than while in the police custody. Why? Why? Because police reports, as I'm sure you know, are public records, whereas these other things aren't. So mm -hmm. Heather is lying to her own counselor and only disclosing what a counselor can easily find on her own. The counselor, I cross-examined her, had no idea about this other past history. And what does Honorable Judge O'Donnell do? He gives the full decision-making to the child's mother, Heather Blakemore-Thomason. He takes yeah. away all of my decision-making, other than emergency decision-making when the health related when child is in my care. He reduces my residential time. He lets the mother make all the decisions about child's education and other long, longer-term things. Oh. So the next thing I'm going to learn here, like Jeff Younger in Texas, is that my daughter wants to become a boy or some nonsense like that, or that she suffers from something or other, and they start drugging the six-year-old, giving her medications that may do way more damage than any benefit. Mm -hmm. I know that Mira was uh, tested for ADHD. She does have a short attention span. She's mm -hmm. five and a half. I'm not a child psychologist. I'm not worried about my daughter having short attention span, uh, Marianne. Mm -hmm. I am worried that, and I shared some pictures with you, Oh, I haven't. I may have not, but I will. I apologize. I, I shared it with Monica and with some others. I will share some mm -hmm. pictures. My daughter is in kindergarten. She's still sucking her left thumb to suit herself. She does so daily. It's not like a one-off. Mm -hmm. Second, I mentioned, I made a parallel with uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, a situation where nobody's going to believe me because I'm a guy and I don't have Johnny Depp's money or fame. And I'm a foreign-born guy. And I have no next. I have some next of kin in the Midwest, uh, 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 in Illinois and Indiana, and then my immediate family's overseas. I came by myself as a college student almost thirty years ago. Um, so nobody's going to believe me. Nobody takes me seriously, no matter what evidence I present. No matter that my witnesses include psychologists and psychologists who are not fake DV experts, psychologists right. with proper practices who are not making money off of the situation, whichever way the custody or any other decisions go. Unlike William Singer and Linda Irish, who are directly profiteering, and I can only guess how much they were paid, especially Irish under the table. But again, it's mm -hmm. how do you prove that? Uh, but I did prove the connection between Irish and Singer that Singer did not acknowledge at the time of becoming a GAL. That alone should suffice to dismiss his report, mm -hmm. not to mention multiple witnesses saying about his distortions. The time travel alone and my cross examination of Linda Irish in, in a court of law, not a kangaroo court would have sufficed to dismiss everything she wrote and to order a new DV assessment of Heather. The mental evaluation of ex-wife was never done to this date. I made a motion at the trial, like an oral motion for a mental assessment and for a properly done DV assessment to be done outside of King County. Mm -hmm. So that we don't have another Linda Irish William Singer collusion type situation. Mm -hmm. That was ignored and denied by the judge. And here we are. And clearly, but back to my daughter and my, you know, you, you know, one may say that the child is missed out of the picture and, of course, that's always a risk when you get sucked into this nonsense yes. and into this abuse. 
But let me just, again, without mentioning uh, the child's name or other things. Um, so she's going to turn six in two, three months now. She's still sucking her thumb in the mm -hmm. kindergarten daily. That's how she suits herself. People more knowledgeable about children's child psychology than I am are saying these are signs of trauma, possible abuse, but trauma and soothing herself, definitely. Mm -hmm. My child is still biting. I have been snubbed and ignored by the kangaroo court and the state agencies saying, look, the video, if you paid attention after I took Mira, uh, after I went inside McDonald's, mm -hmm. Heather is walking back to her mother's car. You will see that she's biting her arm. Oh. And in fact, in the GAL report, this is like, okay, this is a sign of dealing with trauma. And of course, trauma that I caused as if I assaulted Heather, not the other way around. So GAL is excusing that behavior. But my daughter, who is no longer a toddler, who is in kindergarten, still bites. Who did she learn that from? Not from me. Not from mm -hmm. people that I bring her at my church or anywhere else in contact here in Spokane. The only adult I know of who, when traumatized or angry or whatever, bites is her mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there are already signs of trauma. There are signs of parental alienation. The child is very happy when she's with me. She absolutely says nothing. She doesn't even talk about kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I had a call with her teacher recently, and I shared some of my concerns. And I said, look, I don't care about she's five and a half, your social studies and this and that. What I care about is how she's adjusting, whether there has been any physical altercation and whether there had been any of these other problems, behavioral problems. He did share that he noticed the child sucking her thumb and that that's unusual. The child also fell asleep during the class. Okay, if it happens once or twice, I'm not going to read too much into it. Um, but, you know, even the teacher said, look, it's, you know, sucking a thumb is not normal for this age group. Now, are you allowed to talk to her teachers? Do they let you? I'm not allowed to make any decisions. I am allowed to talk to them. Oh, okay. It's kind of, you know, it's not the worst possible scenario. I know fathers, mm -hmm. or some mothers, but many fathers, especially in Washington, several, mm -hmm. who are not even allowed to talk to the teachers. I'm do allowed you, to talk to the teachers, but I cannot make decisions. Do you know other fathers that have been under Judge Donald that have... I know one um, other father, I cannot mention his name. He himself is an attorney, but he's also a parent, a father in his own case. He has Judge O'Donnell recently assigned after accusing the, a different judge. Mm. Uh, he spoke to me a little, but then he said that he cannot get too detailed because he has a conflict of interest. I suspect he either knows Paul Eagle or one of these other attorneys because he himself is an attorney in King County. And so I do not want to mention his name or put him on the spot. I'll let you offline. Uh, I can tell you offline. Um, I guess I can use the first name because it's very no, common. No, sorry. You know, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I had you back on. I'd like to have you back on again for like sure. an update because this is very important. You gave us a lot of good information on red flags, what to look out for. And just like, just like in your case, and in my case, I learned about this um, personality disorder stuff a little bit too late. It's not our fault. Absolutely. It's not our fault. And, you know, let me just say quickly, I know we need to wrap up. So Heather and her attorney accused me that during marriage, I called her borderline personality and all that. Not completely not true. I learned about borderline personality and how it differs from other traits and cluster B disorder from one of my counselors in 2017, based on my description of episodes with Heather. And mind you, in 2017, I was all about reconciling and giving her. That's why I never called 911 when, he kidnapped, when she kidnapped the child. 
when her mom emptied the baby room in what was our dead home in Pullman, Washington, the town where child was born, and all these other situations, when I was screamed at, yelled at, at the Father's Day in June of uh, 2017. So this is all when the child was a baby, Heather is already acting senselessly, and then later that year she filed for divorce mm-hmm. in King County. But, you know, I'm trying to reconcile. Now, when I talk to my counselor, I describe the episode where, you know, she grabs a plate of my food and throws it into garbage on Thanksgiving Day 2000. 15 or 16, how on a couple of occasions during marriage, prior to taking off with the child, prior to the child being born, I'm forced to sleep in my car, kicked mm. out of her parents or her family home. That happened on at least two or three occasions. How she has a meltdown over me forgetting to put a toilet seat down. Yes, men should put toilet seats down. Don't get me wrong. I forget <laughs> yeah. one out of 10 times she creates drama over that. Is it worth the drama? No, no. A normal woman would not do that. So anyway, these are some of the red flags early on. But insofar as personality disorders, I learned that from my counselors after it was too late. The child was already born. So since yeah. 2017, history of suicidalness preceding our dating and marriage, I learned mostly from Heather's father, also after the child was born. So a lot of things I'm sharing is, you know, 2020 vision in hindsight. Mm-hmm. And so my maybe final word is don't rush into marriage and pro- procreating children with someone too fast. And once you decide to have children with somebody, if there are red flags in their behavior, and not something that everybody gets angry every now and then, but things that they're repeating, things that are senseless, mm-hmm. even if they're not targeted directly at you, and especially if they are as their partner or husband or wife, insist on mental evaluation It's as or, or on counseling. If the person who clearly has issues refuses counseling, run, run for your life. Oh, you said it. You said it. I'm not saying give up on a relationship, let alone a marriage right away. Because then nobody would say anything, you know. But if they're red flags and clearly their behavior and mental, emotional health issues, mm-hmm. whether because of past drama or child abuse or whatever, that you may not know about your partner or spouse. And you beg them and implore them to seek counseling, you offer to go counseling together, to counseling together, and they keep finding excuses not to. They're scared of something, they have something to hide. If you end up having a child or children with that person, chances are you'll regret it. Yes. Well, I will have you back on. Sure. Um, thank Glad you, you for, you know, speaking out. And this is happening to men a lot as well, being slapped around and pushed. It happens to men too. You know, according to Ellensburg PD and also some other data I read, about 40% of serious domestic violence incidents are in, in heterosexual relationships are done by women. Over 50% are initiated by women, but women being generally less physically strong and being more inclined to use verbal and other methods as opposed to getting physical when they're upset with another person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but they initiate more than 50% and 40% of the serious ones. Is, so it's not something that's unheard of. Right. And I just hope and pray, you know, I don't care about movie stars one way or another, but I do hope because of their fame that the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard story will have an impact because it. I think it's pretty clear for all his personal shortcomings. I think it's very clear that Johnny Depp was the victim and Amber Heard was the mm-hmm. female perpetrator of both physical violence and other forms of abuse. Mm-hmm. And the similarities with my history with Heather Blakemore Thomason are striking, except that I don't have Johnny Depp's money or fame or resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've heard of other men going through this. This in no way excuses, obviously, this in no way excuses still all too common 
violence and abuse of men against women, especially physical violence. But the society and these courts, and again, family courts are kangaroo courts. One needs to either go to a regular civil court or, 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 you know, or, or, or pursue a criminal route. Of course, you cannot indict, but you can notify the prosecuting office and the police. Uh, the courts look the other way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when females are perpetrators. And again, my case is additionally encumbered that she's a Seattle area native. I'm an import, so as to speak. And witnesses, most of my witnesses are American-born people. They are leaders in the community, church leaders, school leaders. They are credible witnesses. Three psychologists have written affidavits to the testified at the trial on my behalf, including saying about distortions in the Guardian of Lightning Report. All of that is ignored. How is that not a kangaroo court? Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, uh, don't jump off. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us here with uh, Petrick, and again, because I will have him back on, and other exciting guests. Thank you again, Petrick. Thank you so much, Marianne. I really appreciate the opportunity. Again, I'm so disillusioned about the state and its institutions, starting with, but not limited to the court system that getting my story out with help of you and those like you is that at the federal court is, is what I have left. And we will, so yeah, we're going to have you back for an update. So uh, don't jump off. Bye. Sounds good.